Cause I'm in the shit house. Wish I played in a rock and roll band. Somebody give me a dollar bill so I can pass out on the jukebox singing. Yeah, so yesterday I decided to go for a run free travel pre-holiday travel and was running down a hill and stepped on a, like one of those hard pine cones you know like I was, I was telling my brother like I stepped on a pine cone and then he was like a pine cone and I'm like yeah but one of the one of the, like solid ones like one of those little solid ones and just rolled my ankle and immediately just knew like out like hobbled over into some driveway was like screaming fuck and like a guy <laughs> walks out of the house across the street he's like you okay you need an ambulance bud and I'm like I'm fine I'm fine and then I'm like sitting there rolling around. Cars are passing, Oof. kind of looking at me. One guy, one kid stops, and he's like, "Yo, man, you you, you good?" I'm like, "Yep, my girlfriend lives right up the road. Just trying to get her to answer the phone, so I'm calling her." Just a flesh wound. Like three. <laughs> just a flesh wound. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Go on, carry she, just on. Just a flesh wound. <laughs> she, she goes. I, I'm calling my girlfriend. I'm like, I call her three times in a row, and then she doesn't answer. But then I get a text. It's like, "Okay?" Question mark. And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. No, absolutely not. <laughs> so, so she calls me. I'm like, you gotta come pick me up and down at the bottom of the hill. She's like, are you all right? And that's the first time I looked at it. And I like, looked down at my Oof. ankle, and you know, like a little, little bone. It's like the size of a tennis ball. I'm like, nope. Was it on the yeah, inside? On the inside? No, like the outside bone. Okay. You know, that okay. Bone that sticks out. And um, and our neighbor is a nurse, so went 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 and saw her, and uh, she was like, yeah, you gotta go get X-rays. I'm like. God. like to the emergency room before flying it's like you're trying to be careful to like go home to your parents you know like trying to be very careful <laughs> yeah, like, go to the, the, night in the emergency room and then red eye two, yeah two red eyes and god two you went from the er to lax red eye that's way <laughs> too many letters it's <laughs> <laughs> way too many acronyms like, what the fuck <laughs> wtf neil <sighs> So anyway, I got back and I'm like, you know, I get to New Orleans. I have to do some stuff there. I just rent a car. I'm like, all right, I'm just driving up to my mom's place. I just need, I need to get on a couch. I need. And here <laughs> you are. Here you are. I need to get somewhere. Josh on that code 2020 I, tour. But I'm driving and I'm thinking like, I'm on this highway that I've driven so many times. I'm highway 55 from New Orleans up to, up to Jackson so many times. And it's just like, do you guys have that, like that, that stretch of road, like where you're from, where it's just like, ah. Is like that the is that the one home. we drove? Uh, we we would have been on fifty five a little bit for sure. Yeah. Not, I mean fifty five goes all the way from New Orleans to Chicago, but like yeah, and I don't know. It's like when you when you get to like when I get into Mississippi or even Louisiana, like I can just tell I'm like I'm like back. It's like, yeah, man, being home. Yeah, I always yeah. say home, and people are like, "Oh, you live here." I'm like, "No, this is just where I grew up." But like when I get it, there's definitely something that like settles, and you're like, "Yeah, it's I'm just home. familiar." Well, there's a um, in uh. In Maryland, coming home from the airport, there's this thing called Sidling Hill where they cut probably at least 100 feet into the mountain to make a roadway. So it's just kind of like a really thin corridor right through a mountain. Yeah. And and during the winter, it's always like covered in complete ice. It looks like you're entering Mordor or some shit. But that's (laughs) that's what signifies me being home because you come through that and then you just descend down this huge hill. And I'm like, ah, I just feel in the cradle of Western Maryland. Yeah, there's a couple of places coming right out of a Charlotte Douglas Airport there in North Carolina. It takes you into the uh, it's the western side of Mecklenburg, which is Charlotte, and then into the uh, eastern border of Gaston County, which is where I'm from. And there's just a 
it's a store that just says cold beer and bait and has metal yeah. w- welded over the windows. <laughs> cold beer, hot bait. And it's just a, every time I see that place, and then there's this strip club <laughs> called Tattletales that's usually open with the pink neon. Wow. And so, yeah, it's, it's just out by the airport, just outside yeah. of Charlotte. It's fucking, it's where I'm from. It's a good time. And it's nostalgic. Yeah, it, in that, it's like, it's like all that, there's that here. pawn shop I used to go to <laughs> with my dad as a kid. Trying to find her stuff, my Uncle Pond. <laughs> the good old days. Well, speaking of, since this is a music podcast, speaking of things you that remind you of your childhood, Charlie Pride died today. Oh, I saw that. It's fucking complications bullshit. Complications with COVID-related complications. Who's that um, again? Charlie Pride, he's a... He's a, I mean, he's, he's pretty. I, I don't. I don't know if he's the first mainstream black country singer, but he was my grandmother's pretty favorite much. country country singer growing up. She said he's from Mississippi. If you don't know Charlie Pride, you know, "Kiss an Angel Good Morning" is probably his most known song. Would you say, Jonathan? Yeah, I'd say so. That's a crazy time to be black and famous in country music. That's like Jesus. Some of these motherfuckers don't even want me at school with them. You know, like ridiculous. But he was. I've seen the interviews with him, and I mean, he's just the epitome of like a good guy. Even the people who were treating him like shit, he was patient with. And he was like, and in that sense, he was yeah. like bigger than they were. But he, yeah, even yeah. then, though, but he didn't lord his righteousness or what. He was just a fucking solid, awesome human being. And you could tell he loved music. And he was a, a great singer. And he just, he did. Well, he did his thing, man. That's well, not, some real punk rock shit right yeah. there. Well, well, not not only that. I mean, you know, eighty six years old. He lived a long life. But he was he was a, he was a member of the Negro League All Stars. He like really? played baseball with Ernie Banks and like nice. Willie Mays. He was a veteran. That's you know, awesome. And he, he had thirty. Wow. Yeah, I think I think he had thirty number one uh, hit singles. So really, Charlie, number one hit Charlie singles. Pride, yeah. How have I never heard baseball? Are you talking about baseball like stars? <laughs> the RBI is like, what, you, what are these stats you're throwing at me? Like, how many times it was, what was this all base average? The, the 30 hit singles oh. were country, <laughs> on the country charts. Just so you're like, he's a baseball player. Not, had not 30 the, hit singles. I'm like, what stat is that? That sounds like a stat. <laughs> is that runs? What is that? Singles? He had the most singles of all time. Um, I watched the uh, Amazon Dead, Grateful Dead documentary. Mm. <clears throat> yes. This fantastic. week. Six parts. It's really good. I was. Oh, yeah. I was kind of blown away with how good it is and just how, like, I really enjoyed how they focused on just how much of a business it became. You love that part? <laughs> I, I just, that was I, your favorite well, no, part? No, it was just, it would, no, 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 it was just super interesting <laughs> how much they focused on it and how much of a toll it took on well, Garcia. Well, a business seemed, and a community. Yeah. I mean, my favorite guy in the whole thing was the guy who was also, like, the the road manager oh, for the, the Stones. Dude? Like, that they... He was yeah, awesome. He's just like, I couldn't do it, you know. He's like, he's like, there was like, I love how they always put ass in everybody's drinks. They tried to do that shit at the Playboy Mansion because when they played that Playboy After Dark, it was it. Yeah, was, I don't think it was Jack oh, Colson, yeah. but it was like the record executive was like, yeah, he's like, I would not drink anything around them, and he was like an older like yeah. kind of stuffy dude <laughs> yeah. wearing a suit, but he was like, I yeah. wouldn't drink anything around them because I knew they were trying to get me dosed on acid. I'm like, that's so awesome. <laughs> You're still showing up handling business. Just not drinking shit because you ain't trying to do some acid. <laughs> well, also, I mean, and also just how impressive of a dude Garcia is. I mean, like, it seemed like, I mean, they, and it seemed like the rest of the band was on board with this. I mean, it just seemed like he was the guy that did, he was like the linen, you know, that like started the band. And, but yeah. he kind of maintained 
primacy until he passed. Well, there's usually like, like an architect part. in almost any Well, yeah, game. and I mean, didn't he teach Weir how to play guitar? Pretty much. He gave him lessons. They didn't dive into that yeah, too much. early on at some yeah. bookstore in like yeah. San Mateo well, or something. Yeah, I mean, he was certainly the architect. Um, and it's funny that he came from like being a banjo player, like some bluegrass stuff. You can tell yeah. that's, he, that's why he plays so many notes in his solos. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Because huh. he's just never thought about and, that. No and his kind of bouncy nature. It's kind yeah, of it's, lends itself yeah, to a But he's more exploratory. He's not as disciplined as most of those guys are. But because that's not, you know, he didn't need to do that. He's doing another thing. But, like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why, you know, so many notes. Some of that help on the way, that one from the vault. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's so good. I do. I, there's there's so many so many dead tones that I love that I, I had. Give me one of them. I, I, don't, one I don't I don't listen. That just comes to them to mind. I mean, brown eyed brown eyed women is probably the one that like I want to hear the yeah, most. Like Jack totally Straw good. as Dialogue. well. That's great. Um, what you got now? Cumberland, uh, Cumberland Mississippi Blues. Mississippi Half Step is, is a great. Fucking. Um, and just basically anything off Europe seventy two. I love trucking, man. I the when that when the first time those <laughs> yeah, harmonies come in. Trucking, they're so money. They've never been that tight live, but like, there's so money on that part. That's just like, what a great tune. It feels yeah. like and Steelers for, Wheels yeah. or something, but like a hit. And then they have, you know, some other like crazy. I like all the like doing that rag and all that. Oh, stuff. I was just about to mention doing that rag is one of my like. That's such a badass tune. Kind of, kind of almost one of my favorite dead songs of all time. But like, it's so kind of. I don't know. It, it's, I love it because it, it, it speaks to like their dark nature, you know, like just almost like that yeah. kind of like uh, old Western kind of song, you know, like with the aces crawling up and down your sleeve. Yeah, but it's like that line is great. It's kind of like it, there's a slight creepiness to it. It's like yeah, macabre. Yeah, exactly. I think the word yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. As in the corn on the corn on macabre. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, you are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll To. And moving from the West Coast to the East Coast, this week we are discussing another band with a large following and a culture of their own. The band is Fish, and the song is, is Sample in a Jar from their 94 album, Hoist. was one of the first fish songs I ever heard definitely one of them it contains a lot of my favorite kind of qualities of fish um, I love the intro chords their lyrics can be sometimes questionable questionable but I like these uh, they're kind of mysterious uh, I like the big chorus and mainly I chose this uh, because of the chord structure and the incredible guitar solo what Trey did on this at the end is just it kind of signifies kind of what got me into them and i just love the sound it it, it puts a smile on your face there it's not uh pretentious they're not trying to be bob dylan or the rolling stones you can tell they're having a good time playing this music it's a fine song i guess i mean it it, it was surprising listening to it it sounds very 90s mm-hmm. you know I'm, i never really associate fish with the 90s when i hear them probably because i've mostly just heard them through you know bootlegs or whatever it sounds like it, it it was made for 90s college rock radio but it does have that really great guitar solo at the end that kind of pushes it past an otherwise mediocre song yeah, in I my think, mind yeah i think that without that it it wouldn't be quite as special 
I don't think I'd ever heard this song. I've heard a lot of fish songs. I, I like other fish songs better than this song, but it's it's definitely not a song I I dislike after listening to it all week. I mean, I I, I don't think I'll really like search it out or ever listen to it again. But I, I do understand like the good qualities about it, and I, I don't think it's a bad song. Yeah, it's weird. I have such a mixed relationship with fish. Like, and I think this song is almost a microcosm of it. Where I simultaneously admire and feel sorry for them. Like, Jesus. they're so talented, but they sound like they've never been on a date. So it's like, it's just weird. It's like, if, if like, if Brian Wilson, like, had started playing guitar and smoked a lot of weed and went to college. Because the themes, I, I mean, they're kind of mature, I suppose. Like I said, so much technical ability, but it always feels a bit... I don't want to say sterile, but it just never pulls me in. Like, it's never a place I want to be exactly. Like, it doesn't, like, it's the opposite for me of, like, what Van Morrison or Otis Redding and these guys do. And so, but, I mean, it's, at the same time, in spite of these, in, the fi- in spite of the fact they kind of give me the willies a bit, I still dig it. And I've seen Fish a number of times, so I, I've never put them down. But, like, the song itself, I don't know that I love the song, but there again, when you're as musically sophisticated and savvy and tasteful, because musically, I mean, I, I could make a case that Trey Anastasia is the best guitar player of his generation, you know, in spite of the fact that I don't love a lot of the songs. Well, the, the one thing I would say about the song is, you know, when you bring up Fish, Fish, there's a lot behind yeah, There's fish a lot of baggage. For a lot of people, like whether they love them or hate them, but just diving in specifically to this song. It's not what I would associate with Fish. And it sounds like this is an attempt at them to write a pop song. That's why I chose it, because it's such a microcosm of the the Fish experience. Um, I know when this came out, a lot of Fish fans thought this was like the apocalypse because they thought it was too poppy. It was like their attempt to break into the mainstream, which it's really, I don't I don't really get that. That's a little, it's a little left field. Well, um, let's, not get on, let's not get on the bad side of Fish fans. They might... <laughs> They might hula hoop you to death. Well, we picked we picked a song for God's sakes. <laughs> it kind of doesn't like specify exactly who wrote it. Like it's Trey Anastasio or Barry Marshall, which I guess is like the Robert Hunter of, yeah. of Fish. Is that right? He's the lyricist. Yeah. yeah it's, so, or I guess the lyricist is on some of their songs, and, and and this is one of them. It's an Anastasio Marshall writing deal. It's a, uh, it's a joint. It's an Anastasio Marshall it's, it's, joint. It's a joint. It's, it's an Anastasio <laughs> Marshall joint. When, when, I, when, I, when I first when I first listened to this song, some crazy it, my, my initial my initial reaction was that these are very juvenile lyrics, and not like juvenile in sense of like in a bad way necessarily. It just seems like this was a a kid at like a twenty year old kid at art school who was like writing his first like set of songs you know, lyrically. And probably musically as well, like chord progression-wise. I mean, it's pretty simple chord well, progression. I think. And, well, I think I think you're just getting that from some of their their lyrics, where they always go there. Kind of the foggy, groggy, um, all these weird names up on Lemore's bed, Alehu. Like they they definitely they're very creative in kind of how they use words to just almost sub in for the music. A lot of their lyrics are just a vehicle to I mean, present the lyrics are the lyrics are fairly straightforward in yeah the song, no they are, i mean i think it's i think it's cool it's 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 a song about being trapped obviously like 
kind of. I thought. I mean, I, it's a song about being drunk. Sure. Yeah. Being trapped as well. Well, but like, I mean, a sample oh, in a jar, the binding belt. Things. What's what that? Do you guys- you guys both seem adamant that it's about two separate things. Well, it's definitely there's definitely drunk, but he's he's a sample in a jar, the binding belt and closing me. You know, when I first heard it, I thought it was about drunk driving, for God's sakes. Like a like a super yeah. bad night. But I mean, I think listening to it more, it sounds more like he was like at a bar, got in a fight or something. Or it sounds like a fight with like a significant other or a friend and someone drives him home and Kind of feels like a sample in a jar, like in the car, people looking at him. I don't know. So I, I took it as in the car it, on the way it, home from the bar. <laughs> well, no, no, no. A lot of the a, a lot of the lyrics, like you know, whatever. He kind of the, the song begins with you know, it's hidden far away, but someday I may tell the tale of metal tangles. Mental. I, when into your world I is fell. It, you know, it's is like it, a, it is like mental. It's like hold the quick, beginning of a fairy tale. Hold on, real quick, Josh, you're saying metal, Neil, you're saying mental. It says metal online, but I think you may be it's right. Mental. Think, it's, think mental it's mental. Tangle. It's not mental. Metal. Ta- mental, mental tangle makes more sense, actually. Yes. But but it, it's almost like it's yes. like the beginning of a fairy tale, which I guess if you get drunk, it is kind of a made up world that you're in. It, the rest of the song, it's really like okay, enter this like kind of drunken world where he's just kind of stumbling out of a bar, like the the whole all the glances and the glares. That's just like somebody escorting you out of the bar when you're wasted or you escorting yourself out of a bar when you're wasted. And then, you know, the sample in a jar is like him either sitting in his car or driving home drunk. Either way, I mean, the lyrics are, are, are fine. They're pretty straightforward in terms of he's drunk. I don't know where he is, but, you know, he's seeing things. And Yeah, and I think I, I picked this because it because the lyrics do kind of make sense. A lot of Fish songs lyrically can go off the rails, but this kind of at least has a, a very specific theme and um, it kind of all... Kind of ties into the same. Which, which again, my my, my favorite line. I, I do love it because I had actually never heard this phrase before. Is uh, when he says, "It's it's now I know that you knew that I'd soon end up end up like I would end up end up like I would end up on my face because I was so drunk." Which is which is funny. There, there's some humor in this song that I appreciate. Yeah. So because me... unfortunately, I've been drunk enough to end up on my face before. Like you've ended up, ended up. I've ended up, end up. So, so, is Alehu and Le- are these? Do we know who these people are? Is this um, this isn't game yes, hinging stuff, don't. right? This is no, or is it? No, I think no. Lemore was um, a work of fiction, and uh, I think they na- Alehu was like someone him and his writing buddy like saw a guy on the side of the road one day. So they were always just making up these names. It's not part of game hinge, but they were kind of common characters that they. I'm not going to ask you to explain. It's not part of Game Hinge, as if I understood what that means. <laughs> Jonathan brought it up. Oh, I just, uh, I figured we would get into it if need be. <laughs> no, let's not what, get what, into wait, Game wait, Hinge. Wait, 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 so just si- sidebar, what is Game Hinge? Good fucking question. Isn't it just kind of like a story? Like he yeah, wrote, there's, there's a whole, there's a whole uh, almost album, and there's like a whole collection of songs that, the, where they, they just tell, it's almost like a fairy tale. It's like what you brought up earlier. It's, it's kind of, a lot of their stuff is always just, these tales where they can present their amazing music to you. There's not much to it. It's that sounds like fun. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the fish creation epic. I was trying. I was going to try to think of some play on J.R. Tolkien's name, but yeah, exactly. It's creative. like the what is it called, the Cimmerillion or whatever I think, which is like the the Tolkien like Bible that explains all the stuff from Lord of the Rings, all that stuff. Gamehenge is the fictional setting for a number of songs by the rock band Fish. Most of the songs can be traced back to The Man Who Stepped Into Yesterday, the senior project of guitarist and primary vocalist Trey Anastasio. Written 
while he attended Goddard College in 1987. So here's my issue with those lyrics. It just sounds like they're reading a fucking thesaurus. It's just like like the, the way like Deluge is used very sparingly in that one song. I feel like they use Deluge or something like it four times a song. Yeah, and but, it gives yeah, me but the they're, they're not. But in this song not. specifically, the only thing that's really out of like the ordinary is Alihu is the the intro, which is basically like "Welcome to this world." Well, I'm the introducing title you is to. strange. <laughs> the title is like. Like it's just so sterile. It's so like labrit. It's so like co- college lab. Like science. Like a sample in a jar. Yes, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> yeah. it's like an it's like well, an art student wrote this. But no, yes. it's not like an art. It's like a science student wrote it. Like say, it's not artsy. It, 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 it's technical. Lyrically, what other band can you say that about? They're 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 not trying to be Bob Dylan, Rolling Stones, Van Morrison. They're not trying to make you no, fall no, in love. No, no, but there's they're... a broad spectrum. I mean, neither is you know Crowded House, but they managed to like pull some something into it that tugs at my heartstrings. But I mean, I I just think Fish is like their the musicianship is so high. Yeah, well, that's what tugs at my heartstrings. It's not their lyrics. It's it's their music. But this song, and we'll get into the music in a second. But this song, I, I mean, I think for what it's supposed to be, which is I, I'm assuming by the lyric, it is just super playful. Um, but they're all and in this, very nineties because he, he's basically talking about being in a car drinking, whether he's driving or not. It's obviously acceptable at this time more so than it is now, but it, it's just very playful, and I I don't think that they do. I don't think he does a bad job of. I, I feel of like that. I feel like you're debating my opening statement, which I'm not really sure well, why I would do that. I'm just telling you how what I, I feel. It, I'm just telling you about how I feel about the lyrics. Let me just give you like some examples of like first of all, sample in a jar. The title feels very sterile. It doesn't pull me in. Every time I hear Alehu, I think of a Treyu from the Neverending Story, which <laughs> kind of ups the dork factor a little bit. The Binding Belt. It's kind of like, once again, it feels belt. like a thesaurus. It's a seatbelt. I'm not saying what it is or isn't. I'm just saying it feels like they're just using syllables to get to the next yes, part of the song. Yes, they, they, they are. They are. That's what they're doing. Student, like, I don't want to say seatbelt. Let's say binding belt. You know, like, I'm trapped now in a car. Like or a sample and in it a is, jar. Like, it I is can't the get syllables. Out. They're using their, their voice more as an instrument. You can say that about every fish song. The, there you know, are every ones. single song. There are oh, yeah, other, If I, I Could, I Would. There's a couple love songs I think Bouncing on the Room is great. There yes. are a couple other ones. But that, but that gets that gets out there, I would there say too. But the, the lyrics in this song are way less sterile than I think they are in other Fish songs. There are worse ones. I'll give you that. Because there are some, but there are better ones, if too. If I Could being one of them, Neil. I mean, if I Could's cool. <laughs> I mean, and Bouncing, like, there's if no... If I Could sucks. There's, you know, oh, you don't like that one? No. Really? Any time that they try to do a, a sensitive ballad, abs, get I'm out. Five seconds in, I'm get out. Get the fuck out of here. Get the get fuck, the, out, the fuck out, out. out Get the boxes, call the trucks, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But I will say, just before we move on, and not being a fish, like a aficionado or a fan, really. Aficionado. <laughs> aficionado. Aficionado. <laughs> Better than fish head. <laughs> or a fanatic uh, with, P, with a PH. I, would, I do kind of enjoy the playfulness of the song, like the 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 way it starts with the, it's hidden far away, but someday I may tell the tale of mental ta- mental tangle uh, <laughs> when into a, the world I fell. Because when you do start to get loopy, and then dr- drinking can make you super loopy, like that's a that's a fun way to kind of enter a world of drunkenness. <laughs> Is there an unfun way? There, there's a couple lines that just kind of stand out if you're seeing them live, like the foggy and groggy. Every time I raise my cup, 
is pretty good. Like, I agree with you in the beginning. Just it's hidden far away. It's the perfect way to start a fish song. It's just like... But are we sure this isn't about a sperm bank? Are we, are we sure? But... <laughs> we're sure about this. Well, the one thing that really makes no sense, if you're, if you're thinking about the it in terms thing? of that, it's, okay. and, and on the market... <laughs> The one thing that stood out to me, the, the thing that stood out the most to me, and on the market stand unfolding with all the willies and the wares, Oof. I think shuffled that's by when, alert, it's like, is it, am I and Charlie in the no? That's when he's driving. That's when he's driving home downtown, drunk. So he is driving. So we're we're, we're saying, <laughs> or he's, he's in the passenger. He's in a car with the binding belt, looking but at right the stores. After the, but right after that, he says, "I shuffle by alert and numb." So he's still on his feet at this point. So I'm interpreting that lyrically. Well, that's when they. That, pulled up to the house man <laughs> but he it, but after that is to all the glances and the glares so it, it, he can't be driving and then he's getting escorted out of the bar is what i'm saying so where the fuck is he is he at a bar is he in like well, an maybe open it's market? not completely linear i don't know let's just say that that fish the fish lyrics are indecipherable but somewhat playful and <laughs> they just feel dorky yeah. to me Every yes, fish as a whole feels dorky. Yeah, I mean, good point, Jonathan. I'm just saying, there's not many songs we listen. There aren't, <laughs> no, it is, but yeah, it's relevant because there aren't many bands we listen to that. That's, I, a, that, that's a good adjective take. for. It. No, but I'm just saying, I'm just pointing out the obvious. It's it's unique. It's like Weezer, but Weezer is still a little cooler. Okay, to, and to your point, most people aren't talented enough to compensate for that. Mm-hmm. And their talent comes in musically. <laughs> Yes, it sure does. At least in the uh, Why don't you tell us what comprises the band Fish, and especially on this song? Well, Mike Gordon is on bass, John Fishman on drums, Paige McConnell on keyboards, and Trey Anastasio on guitar. And he's singing in this. Yes, he's also singing. Okay, so my question about this musically is, it, even as a, a studio song, recording like and you can tell it's it's very clean but it still just has that live sound to it they probably guitar. did it live i'd be surprised if they did it i'd be surprised if this is multi-track this was probably live and and maybe with some editing but like they probably were all playing isolated in their own rooms mm-hmm. simultaneously as opposed to one guy putting on the drums and then the bass I'd be, i'm sure this was recorded live but it, it it's very, you know what it reminded me of? was it, It's very like, this is a song that could have been on, say, The Benz. Radiohead? Yeah. I mean, how? For some reason, the guitar sound on it and like yeah, how they yeah, come in no, and I the hear, riff I hear itself that. is just very The Benz. Yeah, I hear the, I hear song, the, the guitar playing, definitely not the singing. Not the, not <laughs> the entire song, but when it comes in, that mm-hmm. tone. You know what I actually, like you know what I think you're hearing as much as anything, Josh, is... Until the guitar solo at the end, I think the most profoundly interesting part of the music is actually the drums. Because like the timing going into the chorus, there's some unique things going in there rhythmically that, you, that are subtle. Because they're not super funky syncopated, but they are syncopated. And like it really, like when, you, when the way they go into the chorus, it really sets the chorus off and makes it jump out at you. Because the, the, the verse well, yeah. is all subdued and, 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 and low key. And then the chorus just explodes. A lot of that's John Fishman. Yeah. The way the chorus explodes, that one chord, right, as the chorus comes in, which is part of the rhythm that you're talking about, but just that... Because, but it comes in like... It, it's, it's like a, it's on a weird timing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's why yeah. I think part of the reason why it jumps at you. Well, mm-hmm. so I, I, don't, I don't know if that... I don't know if that... Maybe that's why it reminds me of something off the bends. But I think musically, 
other than you know the solo at the end i mean i don't i don't think there's anything exceptionally great about the guitar playing until the solo but the 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 keys page on mcconnell on the keys like he's just fucking hammering the keys almost like that feel of almost you're in a bar room it, it, mm-hmm. it really adds to what we were talking about earlier of being drunk and that that whole vibe yeah of, and they sound like they're having so much fun it sounds like they're live they're just they're really just all kind of doing the best of what they do at this moment i don't think the guitar playing is amazing up until the solo but it's pretty good i mean just the 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 structure of the song is really cool even from the the kind of how he kind of speaks sings the the verses the chorus is really powerful the bridge is a nice bridge it's nothing special but it's really really kind of it does what it's supposed to it's a bridge to the end of the song you know yeah yeah now now i agree with that this reminds me of wilco which is a different band kind of similar in what they're doing in that they're kind of a interesting band and they did an album called summer teeth yeah, maybe did. their third album, <laughs> which was basically Jeff Tweedy was like, I'm going to write a pop song. Like, this isn't what we do, and this is not what I do, but I'm going to see if I can write a pop song, right? And this sounds like an attempt like that. I would say radio friendly. Pop pop feels a little heavy, yeah, but I would yeah. say radio friendly. <clears throat> yeah. Like trucking. But I think, I'd say I this think, is their truck. Talk- yeah, but I think we're talking about pop at the time. You know, well, we're talking about. But they also, like right on now, this we're album, talking about in the early 90s when song popular was- music was. The, but the radio friendly program. song from this album was Down with Disease. That's that was their first. Oh, uh, kind of, well, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that was on this. Well, and to your point, if if you're talking about the album, I mean, the album itself, it, it, it does. I mean, you could tell this is a band that was just really fucking around and being playful and having a good time. Like Julius is a very uh, playful song, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Down with Disease. This tune. Wolfman's uh, brother. I hate the Wolfman's brother. I love that. Song. Sure, that's a playful song. Um, <laughs> sure. Well. But, but th- this song, the I would say the keys stand out. Jonathan, what you said about the drums, I just I wouldn't notice that like nuance. Well, here's what it is with the drums: that chorus is like it goes like one, two, three, four, and it jumps in mm-hmm. on the and after four, and then they catch back up on the two. It's just like one, two, three, four, and one, two, and then they meet back there. So it's like a measure and a half, which is unusual. Yeah, that's that's very Fishman oriented. That's drummer, and that's what. Otherwise, if they hit that chorus on the one, the song it would definitely take away from the unique factor. Okay, that's one of my favorite parts of the song. is just that yeah. chord, and the, you know, that's right. there's an extra what you're talking about half beat that it feels suspended, right? And then it mm-hmm. really slams into the two. Yeah, well, and just even playing it on guitar, you'd be like. Boom, just with an upstroke, like really just dig into that. So you're talking about that point where the yeah, we on around, yeah, because there's that, there's that, because it goes, because in your fears, um, what the fears don't last, two, three, four, and one, two, mm-hmm. it's there, it jumps in, yeah. so it, it's syncopated that way, which is cool. That's insight, that's wisdom to do something like that in a song. Technically, anybody could do, but most folks don't have the, now, the creativity. Now, to do is that. that a thing that the band comes to, or that the drummer's like, "Here's what I'm going to do," right. and then the band kind of well, gets around that? I mean, it's all together. That's one of their best qualities is they they work as such a team. You know? Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, well, I don't so, know. They know they want to bring those unique 
um, syncopation and you know they know they're dorks so they need to fucking bring in some fucking sweet fucking changes okay but wait we, we've gone way too long without talking about the best part of the song which mm-hmm. is the solo why I picked it yes Trey's such an amazing guitar player and the way he plays the solo it's such a it's such, such a presentation of what they do live on a record I think it, I think it's heralded as one of his best kind of solos on a record because he doesn't even though they jam so much he doesn't do it a lot on the studio albums the solo i love how he and it's so cheesy it's almost my favorite part and least favorite part when he says yeah right right before he goes into the solo so unique melodically and um he's such a badass as far as like sometimes he sounds he almost sounds like he's playing nervous like he's it's he's going so fast and so stylistic that and i think that the tension that he builds in some of his playing is is the best part i don't find that at all i feel like you know the band they're compared to the most which i don't think they sound anything alike uh is the grateful dead i think just like jerry when i when i hear a really good good guitar solo by him i feel like he's in complete control he knows exactly what he's doing he's very patient and that's why it it, it just sounds so totally, natural totally. and so good as a guitar player i could hear that like i and not nerve like a happy nervous not like nervous like um anxiety but so you're just saying like he's, he's he's like his fingers are moving so fast anticipating and he, yeah he's just like holy shit just um, he's so excited about and, it, what he what he knows he's gonna do, and you can hear on some of this he's going so fast and playing it so melodically that he's just kind of he's in a zone where he's he's not gonna fuck up, but it's just, he's just right on the brink of not disaster, but like he's just like he's always playing with fire. It's so good, it's almost out of place in the song. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very kind of Brian May-inspired, but yeah, a little more certainly. a little more technical and definitely kind of next level. Not next level that it's better, but it's just next level in the... It's very imaginative. There's little... Some, like, Eddie Van Halen almost ideas. Not his technique, but his... The space he fills out. Um, yeah. And they're getting here. I mean, Trey Anastasio, to my understanding, is very much the architect of the band, like Jimmy Page was, like Eddie Van Halen was, like yeah. Jerry Garcia was. And so, of course, you know, you know, it's a vehicle for him to lay into, and 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 it builds to a compelling to that compelling part. And like I said, there aren't many guitar players you can tell who they are just within a few notes, or mm-hmm. it, no matter how many notes. But with Trey, it's readily apparent. It's very cool. But I would also throw in. In the solo, like, I don't think it's as powerful without McConnell's hammering on the keys during it. Like, that it really accompanies What's he doing what keys? he's doing. What's he doing? Yeah, I think he only said it four times. Hammering. hammering. You pound, yeah. pound hammering. The table. There's no other way to describe it. He's pounding. hammering the keys. No. Pounding. Laying yeah, into him. You know, <laughs> fucking, like, driving with him. Pounding. Um, but I, but I, he, he's I, taking the keys to Poundtown, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not too long. It's not too short. It It's kind of like he, he'd play this live and it'd be enough it, it kind of gives the listener a taste of what they'd see live you know what i mean like it has 
it has those epic ups and downs to it that you'd see at a show, but it's not a 45 minute jam. It's, it's everything compacted. It's all his playing compacted into one, like eight to 10 bar solo. So a buddy of mine, who's a huge fish fan told me that they, this is a song they play often at their live shows, Fish, but they don't ever jam it out. They basically play it the because way it, it was perfected. Album. Yeah, yeah, but but they did it once. And it's the most popular like time that they played it or whatever at, at the uh, Baker's Dozen in Madison oh. Square Garden a few years ago. Just a Sweet. little side note. Little now, tidbit. we've we've talked about the best part of this song, so now we have to talk about the worst part of this song. As in one. most fish songs, what's the worst part? I think we've already covered that. The vocal. And the harmonies. They're fine. The harmonies They're, are fine here. I hear you. It's not vocals. what you, it's not what you bought a ticket for. The vocals. If that's are, what you're coming yeah, here for. You came to the wrong we're place. Ta- we're not. We're not talking about going to see a fish live show. We are talking about sampling in a jar of the song. They almost are preventative. Like they're almost where I can't. I won't keep listening to the song. He keeps me in there, but sometimes it's almost like I'm not going to keep listening because the, I, the vocals. The harmonies bother me more really? in the song than well, the vocals, his vocals. I think, because I think his vocal fits. What, on the, what? on the chorus, they're fine. I think the harmonies I like because it gives some support because his vocals sound like a scratch track. His vocal is what it is, just in terms of what he's capable of doing as a, <laughs> as a vocalist. And I think in this song, it works better for me than it does in other Fish songs. The harmonies are, like, like you said, Jonathan, like a, a bunch of dorks that are very talented at playing instruments and that is just like ugh. this is really just, the harmonies see the harmonies to me I, strength I, when, when fish things harmonies they're not it, off it key it up or anything uh, they uh, just uh. don't there's not something i want to ever hear you know in music <laughs> i just subjectively do not like them huh. i don't i don't want to hear them well <clears throat> as much it, as we it can ups the dork factor so much more than do you so do you guys really want to break down fish's vocals for the next twenty minutes, and we're not going to do it for twenty <laughs> minutes. But like, it has to be. It has to be mentioned. Sure, they're they're fine. Like I said, they're a vehicle. They're not fine. Yeah, they are. They've done more than most bands in the last thirty years. Uh, let's and, clarify something here. It sounds like you don't like the arrangement. Not that the vocals are performed poorly. You just don't like where they put the, them. The vocals are fine. They're inky. It, it, it's it's just subjectively that's my least favorite. But part. So what are you, Josh? Are you the, looking for a smoky vocal? I, hey, I'm always looking for a smoky vocal. I mean, but this is—I I think it's the—it's the part in the song where I think it's go, where they go to the bridge, where they go to the uh, sample in it. Seem all wrong. Seem all wrong. And then they're there, and you're just like... Yeah. Actually, that's one of my favorite parts, too, uh, where they... Uh, no, not the vocal part, part, but, like, I love where, if any band does kind of like... I they, like the that, crashing down is fine, but the the, the, the the vocals are just like, ugh, ugh, I don't... Are you done? Stop. Are you done? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what I was going to say is I, I like that part of the song, just the music, again, to get back to the music, what we're here to talk about. The is, vocal is part of the music. As we've established in cool. multiple Cool. How long do you want to fucking talk about it? Fish, they can't sing that great. That's not what they are about. How long do you want to talk about it? 
I mean, I talked about it for a minute and a half, so I guess a minute and a half. I guess 90 <laughs> seconds. Okay. Do you have any other points? No. I think I got it through. Okay. Fucking, we have the, the, the William Barr of fucking fish here. Just that you're shutting down the investigation, Neil. Is my point uh, is, what, are you, what are you investigating? Fish's vocals. Yeah. <laughs> and you're shutting and what, it down. And, you're shutting it down. And, yeah. In the vocal and section of the podcast, shut, shut the vocal down. What conclusion have you come to? You're moving to? on until the, into the voter fraud. <laughs> I was going to bring up the music. Just in the background, the good shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this is why fish is kind of polarizing, right? Because the folks who like the stuff, like, really like it, and the other ninety-eight percent of everybody is kind of like that. Being said, that, no, right, and that's fine. I don't like the vocals. The other ninety-eight. No, but it's true. <laughs> but that's like, but I like fish. I've seen fish half a dozen times, so I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying they're not. A lot of folks don't listen to them, but the folks who listen to them listen to them are, are big fans, so, and that's fine. Yes, let's move into the production a little bit. We were just talking about the music itself. I mean, like the production's probably the most straight ahead part of the whole thing. It's it's yeah. it's real. The production, I think, the, the whole '90s ish thing is a good call, but like, yes. it's real straight ahead. It's so clean. It's just it's straight so ahead. clean. There are no rough edges. Well, here's the thing: because with a band like this, the, the producer's not really going to have a whole lot of sway. I'm sure he just was maybe like, oh, maybe some harmonies here. But no one's really going to tell Fish or Prince yeah, or yeah. Radiohead like what to fucking play. Right? I mean, yeah, I think they self-produce most right. of their stuff. Yeah, I mean, exactly. they have a producer, but um, that's why I said question. Early. I think this just, is early in their careers, but not. Yeah, it, I mean, ish. No, this was their fifth album. Yeah. Um, however, it was produced. It wraps kind of a lot of Fish qualities into one song. You know what I mean? From their shitty vocals to their great guitar playing, to their great craftsmanship of uh, the structure of a song. It was produced very well. There's not much more to say. Like what Josh said earlier, it almost sounds live, which is cool because they're right. they're known for their live performances. I, I would venture the, the production on this is probably like the production on Appetite for Destruction where basically the producer didn't do anything. The producer's really just kind of there hanging out, making sure things don't go off the rails. But I, I guarantee you, Producer didn't have a whole versus something like Insta Karma, where a guy like Phil Spector is going to have a it's going to have his stamp on it. You know, this is yeah, this is just like a guy there keeping it together. And a lot of times it'll even be the engineer; it'll be the same person. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I would imagine that they that you're taking you're trying to corral what they're doing live into, so they probably do need somebody to help with yeah. that. And I think yeah. in this case, you know, Paul Fox probably did a good job. Because uh, this album, I listened to this album today. It's it's a pretty good album. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like, like he, he a does lot a good of job. Yeah, a lot of, of these songs. Uh, I I didn't even realize how many songs on this album are still like staples, staples. in their playlists. Yeah. The list goes on and on. So, as we enter our under the influence section of the podcast, Jonathan, what do you what do you find influenced this song? What do you find this song influenced? What does it sound like? To me, this is very, like, this comes from Frank Zappa-ish, where it's really technical, really high level, but uh, the songwriting lyrics are not the strong point, and the thematically, it's not really, it's more of a vehicle for musical performance, um, which is why I have such mixed emotions about it, why I can, I can respect it, I can dig it, but um, it doesn't really pull me in, and, and it's hard, because frankly, there aren't many people who can play well enough to truly be influenced by this band. And, and a lot of people who can play this well 
can't even put a song together that's this good. So you never hear about them ever because they end up just being like pro players who just go do whatever. Yeah, I had Zappa written down. I think the Talking Heads are a good comp, just kind of like the creative kind of musicality. Um, and just as far as guitar playing, I mean, just Zeppelin and Hendrix, and you mentioned Brian May, just because Trey is such a leader of the band. I don't know what they'd really be without him. <clears throat> and he's such a transcendent guitar player. But it, And one of the things you got to in your last point is they have inspired like a generation of jam bands for the last 20 years that they've almost muddied their own waters because they've inspired so many people to try to be like them that that all the mediocre music that's produced, the jam music, just turns people off to Fish. Because if there was only Fish, people would be like, oh, that's pretty cool. And the thing about Fish is they're it's so fragile what they're doing. It's so hard to be a bunch of dorks playing stadium rock that... It, unless you are a fucking genius, don't fucking try it. Don't do it. It's almost like a blessing and a curse. They've inspired a whole generation of noodling guitar players, but it also just takes away from their whole scene. This song in particular, listening to it, it's just so 90s pop rock. I said pop rock. I don't I don't really... It, it wasn't like alternative rock because that it's not alice and james or or nirvana or or that so that's what somewhat it, it reminded me of radiohead i think it's like art school kind of rock it's like art rock it's hard to separate thinking about a specific fish song with fish and you know like you said neil i mean like that it sounds like something that like oar or mo dot you know and any jam band on the fucking circuit umphreys umphreys mcgee brah umphreys yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, that all those, and, you know, all those bands from like the late '90s and early aughts that kind of were in the jam circuit. Obviously, they they influenced. Really. All right. So, two questions. Well, a question and a statement, actually. Question: If the Dead hadn't have created that space and then left it as a void after Garcia died, do you think Fish would be as big? Because I feel like folks wanted something to do for their generation, and then just kind of. Because frankly, I, my issue with Fish is if you play these songs on acoustic guitars. The songs don't hold up like the dead songs do. And then granted, potato, potato. I'm just saying, I think they, well, they kind of, no, they, they, they filled a void that was created there. I think, I think, no, dead have many, many more musical achievements kind of just in songwriting than fish do. But I think fish has been around for so long now that if you, like I could make a mixtape for anyone and if they really listen to it, they, you know, I, I feel like they could find kind of just the beauty in what's going on there. They have, from all their 10 to 20 albums, they have a lot of great songs, you know. It doesn't match the dead, but... Do you think Fish on their own have enough pull, like, if that space was... Well, obviously, there's a lot of people looking for this kind of music. That's what I'm saying. They're looking for it, though, because they've seen it before, and they want it of their own. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying... No, I would would say no, because I think people are just looking for community. And I agree. and not and not to get you know I mean it, the, the election kind of shows that people are looking for tribalism is not it, it 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 exists because people want to be around people who appreciate things that they appreciate. So the people who appreciate what the Grateful Dead did, right? I don't think they're the so same. So the question is, is it more the scene like, or is it really the music? No, I think it's I think it's more of a live music kind of experience. You know, they it's it's more of like what we've talked about before with like Pink Floyd and kind of like making a show like a production. You know what I mean? It's it's not just going to see them 
play their radio hits to a fucking scratch track. Beyond that, it's a vibe that, like, feel-good vibe. It makes a lot of people feel good. Yeah. That's what their vibe is. The Dead created a certain space for them to fill. But I think also with the when Fish came out, just kind of into the 21st century with kind of the internet and everything, I, th- I feel like they would have gotten a following. Maybe it wouldn't have been as big, but it's almost a chicken and the egg thing. Like, right, right. the dead created this thing. Like, yes, they took the torch, but, you know, it, yeah, it's, hard I'm not to saying measure, it's hard to measure history. Right. And I'm not without. saying they wouldn't. I was just throwing it out there. I don't know. It's just, it's very peculiar, a very peculiar thing, man. It's like fucking, what's that guy, Crumb? That, that artist? That Car Crumb, yeah. It's like yeah. that. And if you dig that shit, you love it. And if you don't, yeah, you certainly. Out. Well, he got oh, he yeah. got big with the dead. You know, back to that conversation. Like he did a lot of uh, dead inspired artwork. So as we move into under the covers, there was only one, and it was terrible. Who <laughs> did it? The little feet version. <laughs> little feet covered it. I, little, like, I, I got about thirty of little seconds feet in. Oh my god, I hated the way they did the chorus. It's a tough one to pull off, man. It's like trying to. Fucking reproduce a Jackson Pollock or something like it. Well, yeah, and and to my my point about just so many bands trying to be like them, like what they do is so fragile. It's so it's so uniquely them that if you're you know in the wrong hands, any of their songs can sound just like a fucking train. By the wrong hands, you mean pretty much anybody but theirs. <laughs> like they're not yes. super coverable because I don't know. And to, and frankly, to me that that does speak to how good the songs are or are not. You know, because I mean, as I've said, I really do believe a great song you can do almost anything to; it'll still be great. I think that gets us easily to Jonathan does the shoe fit for this particular song. For this particular song, it fits like a shoe I bought and I just never really wear, but I don't quite get rid of it. <laughs> that I kind of want it to fit, but I put it on. I'm like, Ugh, this shit just doesn't quite. But I still have it, so <clears throat> kinda. Neil? Yeah, shoe fits. No. <laughs> um, I, I would say the shoe fits. It's like an old pair of Bergen socks. You I know? almost went there. It, it, it's, it's hip, and it's comfy Like at some point in your life. Timeless. But then it gets old quickly, <laughs> and you have to throw it away. And on that note, we are going to have our good friend Michael Russick perform the cover this week. You can find his music on Spotify and at michaelrusick.com that's r-u-s-s-e-c-k here he is performing with neil the 1994 fish song sample in a jar from their album hoist Here what you have 
Okay, the cover you just heard of Sample in a Jar was performed by Mike Russick and Neil Marsh. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. Uh, if you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at PodGaveRock. Next week is our holiday special, so what will we be discussing, Josh? I want to talk about my favorite Christmas song, uh, Blue Christmas by The King. Can't wait! <laughs>